Jesus, we just pray that you'll continue to bless the service, God. Anoint the words of Pastor Garcia, God. Pray that you will just continue to bless the service. In Jesus' name, amen. announcement video but I guess we didn't this revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart good morning redemption point family so good to see you this morning uh, it's me pastor Steve I'm so sorry I can't be with you today but Jessica and I are doing a marriage retreat in Tampa this weekend uh, but we'll be back Wednesday night again for service and hope to see you again next Sunday uh, so any first-time guests that are here today, welcome. So glad to have you. So great you came, and we, we hope to, that you come back when I have an opportunity to meet you. I want to give you a few announcements that are coming up. Uh, first of all, June 18th is the Volunteer Appreciation Dinner. So if you're currently a volunteer at Redemption Point or you're interested to figure out, find out if you want to be, Come out, make sure and sign up in the front lobby. Come out, we're gonna be having some Angelotti's pizza and wings and drinks and salad. And we'll just, uh, we'll just have a great time together learning about the ways to volunteer here at Redemption Point. On June 27th, we have our baptism service. So if you or a member of your family want to be baptized, if you have any questions about that, feel free to ask any staff pastor and they can answer your questions. But signups for that are in the front lobby as well. And then July 18th, we have Baby Dedication Sunday. I'm so excited for that. So any of you new moms in the church who want to dedicate your babies to the Lord, that will be your opportunity on July 18th for a special presentation right in the middle of our service. So today, I'm so excited to announce to you that we have Pastor David Garcia. He was the previous long-term pastor of Grace World uh, right here in Brooksville in Hernando County. Uh, he has since become an itinerant pastor after retiring from pastoring full-time. Uh, pastor David is a great friend of mine. I know you're going to be blessed today. All right, we'll see you when we return. God bless. All right, yeah. So, are you guys excited for today's guest speaker? All right, Pastor David Garcia, he was a... Um, as, as Pastor mentioned, he was the uh, lead pastor at Grace World for over 30 years. Uh, he was a missionary in New York, and uh, urban missionary in New York and Zimbabwe. And he's been married to his wife going on 50 years. So uh, they, they helped uh, build a, a, in Grace World in Brooksville. Um, uh, based off my knowledge, it was over 2,000. Uh, more than that? 1,200. Okay. Uh, but let's give it up. Warm redemption point. Welcome to Pastor David Garcia. Good morning, everyone. First of all, let me thank Pastor Steve Miller for inviting me, trusting me while he's away. I, as I travel around this country, a lot of pastors are getting divorced. Your pastor and his wife are doing marriage seminars. Give it up. You ought to, you ought to thank God for that. And, um, you know, please pray for your pastors and other pastors that you've known. Marriages are under attack. And... Uh, Good to see my friend Daryl Rushing and Betty. Good to see you. Um, I've mentioned this before. I am an author. My latest book is coming out soon, but too late for today. If you don't get anything today, uh, get this book. I, I shared this message last time. I was here. Overcome any crisis guaranteed. I'm talking about anything life and the devil will throw at you. Jesus gives us a blueprint on how to be victorious and how to make it. This is the best $5 you'll ever spend. And then um, my favorite topic is really for young people. I, I, I'm still a mentor to, see I'm 71 going on 50. So uh, I, I, I try to think young, I don't think old, all right? And I have met my share of 40 year old old people. I really have. But, um, 
The enemy is stealing our young people by fornication. You are seeing, there's a very famous NFL quarterback, very famous, who has been engaged for the last eight years. And he claims to be a Christian. He is living with his girlfriend. And they don't see anything wrong with that. That's because they, they lack the, the holiness, purity, values that's in the Word of God. Uh, years ago, I wrote this, Don't Awaken Love Before the Time. Okay? It's based on the Song of Solomon. This is uh, why young people lose when they date. I, I used to use this in the University of Florida and other uh, college campuses to teach them on relationships. We've gotten so bad, I now encourage parents of fifth, sixth, and seventh graders and eighth graders to get this. This will prepare your young person that they don't need a girlfriend or a guy friend. They need Jesus, do good in school, and keep your hands to yourself. This one, Redefining Sex and Dating. This is a book that counters the culture concerning love, sex, dating, and marriage. This is for high schoolers and above. This will bless you. It tells you the three reasons why uh, for being single. It tells you the difference between love and infatuation. F fantastic $5. If there's any single here this morning that you don't have the money, I'll give it to you. That's how much, that's how much I believe in this. Uh, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Very few Christians understand what the kingdom, they think the kingdom of God is heaven. The kingdom of God is, not, the kingdom of God is heaven here on earth. It tells you how to take authority against demons, against attacks, against your family. And then, Portrait of a Powerful Last Day Christian is based on one chapter in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 30. This is when David was at Ziglag, and the enemy came in, took the wives, the children, the animals. There they are in the middle of the desert, and uh, God showed David how to take back what the devil has stolen. This is a manual on how to take back your family for God. How to take back what the enemy has stolen from you. Okay? Then I have a son in the Lord. I didn't write this. The Real Secret to Business Prosperity by a son in the Lord named Mario Michael. Uh, when he was uh, ages of five to eight, they traveled from Orlando every Sunday to come to church. And now that he's grown up, he's remembering his papa. Okay? This is the best book. Uh, Mario Michael is a millionaire at 38 years old through real estate. It is the best book, bar none, on how to hear the voice of God. God tells him, stop the car. You see that acreage right there? I want you to buy it. Then months later, he tells him to sell it, always for a profit. Uh, this book will really bless you, especially if you are in business. And then I wrote a chapter in this book, Becoming a Friend of God. This is stories of real people, how they found God. Uh, I'm in chapter 4. Uh, God delivered me from a life of adultery and demon, demon uh, oppression. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, people won't read books, but they, they like stories. And this book will help your, your friends and family to get saved. Amen? Did you get a set of notes today? If you don't, you might be lost, all right? Okay, and there's only six things to fill out. And I want you to, uh, well, it would help if I get my little clicker ready. Okay. Would you bow your heads and pray with me right now? Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you that as Pastor David speaks, anoint me to understand what you're trying to say. Convict me, bless me, anoint me. But whatever you do, don't let me leave here in the same way that I came in. I thank you so much, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay. I can't tell you how many times this happens. It was working before, <laughs> and it's not now. You want to work it from the back? Can you work it from the back? Instead of, because...
I, I do a lot of things, but I don't have three hands, so <laughs> try to help me. Second Kings chapter 6. Now please remember, the Old Testament has to be viewed in terms of the New Testament. And there are principles in this story that are phenomenal. I want to call this, where did your cutting edge fall? Say that with me. Where did your cutting edge, in other words, where did the sharpness of your life get dull? Sharpness in prayer. Sharpness in your authority over the demonic. Sharpness as far as witnessing. Where did it fall? Let me prophesy to you for a moment. A lot of Christians during COVID, we've gotten dull. I mean, the lockdown will make anybody dull. And you got to keep sharp more than any time. I thank God that we have a governor who has opened up. Okay? 2 Kings 6 verses 1 through 7. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now the place where we dwell is too small for us. Please, let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one of them said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. Verse 4. So he went with them and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he said, he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Let me have your attention a moment. Axe heads were very expensive. There weren't too many of them that went around. So here's a man chopping a tree. The axe head comes off, falls into the water. He's going to owe a lot of money. Amen? Verse 6. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him again the place. So he cut off a stick. Everybody say stick. It's made out of wood, okay? And threw it in the water and made the iron axe head float. Next frame. Therefore he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. As an introduction, and you'll see some of this, a lot of this in your notes. You know, the reason I give out notes, you could only remember 5% of what you hear. But you remember about 70% of what you hear, see, and participate in. Okay, so if you would like, please consider filling out some of these uh, answers. Many Christians are trying to chop down problems. They're trying to chop down obstacles, trees, with dull accent. Accent is the presence of God. Say that with me. Accent is the presence of God. And they're about to lose their accent. They're about to lose their effectiveness in their Christian life. COVID has made many cutting edges dull, especially during the lockdown. So we see six prophetic things, six prophetic things God is telling this church this morning. Number one, the potential. Oh, excuse me. There's a key takeaway. Read this with me. Christians need the sharp cutting, come on, let me hear you. Christians need the sharp cutting edge of the presence of God in their lives to cut down obstacles and problems. Let's get right down to business. Number one, the potential. Everybody say potential. potential. Say it again, potential. potential. Before I go on, you have got great potential in God and never settle for not reaching your maximum potential. Don't be satisfied with past victories. Don't be satisfied with past losses. Our attitude ought to be is God maximize my potential. Say that with me. God maximize my potential. So number one, there is a need to continue to grow and expand. Move with me, all right? There's a need. Go on, next there's a need to continue to grow and expand. Let me elaborate on that. Not only this church, but I thank God that you're going to renovate the gym, the gym. Thank God for that. We need that for our young people. Amen? Our young people, schools, and a lot of illicit things are competing for our young people. 
There's a need for this church and these people to continue to grow and expand. You need to not be satisfied where you are in Christ. You need to not be, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. If, if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, what gifts of the Spirit are you flowing in? If you won one soul to the Lord last year, win ten this year. We need to continue to, everybody say, grow and go. Secondly, as individuals, I want to challenge you to read, learn, and dig. That's not a cuss word, by the way. Read. Okay? Some of us have stopped reading after high school. Other than comic books, or the, or the internet, or the occasional blog. Please continue to read. Continue to expand your mind. God can use you the more you expand your world. Amen? Thirdly, as a church, don't rest on yesterday's accomplishments and don't fret the setbacks. Everybody has setbacks. This church has had its setbacks. Let's leave that behind us. Let's go forward and do what God is calling Pastor Steve to achieve in his vision. Amen? Fourthly, uh, uh, excuse me, the pruning, number two. The pruning. Everybody say pruning. pruning. Pruning is when you cut. It's when you chop down. I remember when I lived uh, in Zimbabwe, there was a, I'm from New York City, what do I know about planting and agriculture, you know? We didn't have any gardens, we had sidewalks, all right? I'm in Zimbabwe as a missionary and I remember that there was a, 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 I thought it was a vine, and uh, it wasn't producing any, it was supposed to be a grapevine. And so I took a hatchet and I chopped down three quarters of it. Within a year, I had the most beautiful grapes. I thought I killed the thing. I meant to kill the thing. <laughs> what happened was all of the energy and the juice that was flowing into all over these useless vines, now we're focused on one particular vine and it produced beautiful grapes. So when God prunes you, he prunes all of the energy you're putting into things not necessary to your calling. They have nothing to do with what God wants you to do. So don't fret when things are cut away from you. Uh, let me talk to all my singles. Don't get upset when friends disappear. It's probably a good thing they disappeared. I love the way you're shouting this morning, but that's okay, all right? <laughs> Secondly, growing and expansion necessitates the removal of something and saying no more than saying yes. A lot of, if you're anything like me, I like to say yes to a lot of things. Look at me, you only have 24 hours you only have six days a week, seven days a week, 60 minutes to an hour. You can do but so much. So you can't do everything. Ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to take away from my life? What am I involved with now that has nothing to do with the reason I have DNA nobody else has, the reason I have a calling nobody else has, I want to only do what you want me to do so I can be a thousand percent more effective in what you want me to do. Come on, somebody. To do that, you got to chop down some trees in your life. What are some of the trees? The flesh. I don't know about you, but my flesh is... It, I, I wish it went away when I got saved. It didn't. Every now and then it says hello to me. I'm still here. And I say, well, I'm going to crucify you. He says, why? I ain't, don't, you, don't, you, don't you want to save your bad temper in case you got to use it? I've heard that one from Christians many years. Well, I don't want to lose all my temper. I want to keep it in just in case. I said, just in case of what? Flesh. Secondly, tasks. You need to remove some task that you're doing. A task is, is, is something that you're involved in. You've got to, you can't do everything. 
Listen, I hope you're sleeping eight hours a day. The older I'm getting, that's becoming a little harder. But you sleep eight hours, you're awake uh, the other eight hours, and you're doing things and working the other eight hours. So you can't do everything in 16 hours. There are some tasks. I, I really came here with a word. A lot of us need to say, God, show me what I'm doing that I'm not supposed to be doing. Another thing is problems. God wants to show you to tackle problems. To chop them down. You can with the anointing. You can with a sharp edge. I know many of you have chopped down trees. You know, if you have a sharp axe, it's a whole lot easier. If you have a dull axe, it takes half the day. And more effort. Goals is the next one. I want to challenge everybody. You should have written goals. Help your millennial and Gen Z son. Uh, I, I know I just spoke in tongues to some of you. Help, help your 18 to 35 year old sons and daughters to develop written goals. Here's the problem. If you don't have written goals, how do you expect them to have written goals? If you don't have written goals, how do you know when you achieve them? If you don't have written goals, how do you know when you get there? Move on, David. Nobody's saying amen. <laughs> Here's a principle. Here's a life lesson. Whatever you give into in life grows stronger. Whatever you resist grows weaker. Prune your priorities. Say that with me. Prune your priority. Stay within your assignment or you will overload. Everybody say amen. Everybody say assignment. Assignment are the things that God wants you to do. And everybody has assignments. One minute on that. When you're a little kid, your assignment is to pick up your clothes and your underwear and put it in the hamper. When you get older, your assignment is go shopping for mom and dad and go to Publix. If you go to college, your assignment is to do the best you can. But you have an assignment. And here's the key. As you're faithful to your current assignment, God will promote you to give you a more valuable assignment. Amen? Number three, the presence of God. The presence of God. This is verse 3 and 4. Then one of them said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. First of all, growth and expansion demands the presence of God. You know, we need the presence of God and Redemption Point Church just to build that gym. Here's the danger. When you're really good at something, you don't pray about it. You think, well, I know how to do it, so why do I need God's help? Listen, you need God's help just to put your clothes on in the morning. You need God's help to go to, to, go to Walmart. I need to speak. I speak in tongues every day. Say, so, well, do I need tongues to go to heaven? No, but I wouldn't go to Walmart without it. Hey, tongues will keep the mugger away. Tell the person next to you, I think he's talking to you right now. So... If you're going to grow and expand as a church and as an individual, you've got to have the presence of God. Here's three things. Secondly, if he doesn't build it, it won't be done. Unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor, labor in vain. If he doesn't build your ministry, it won't be done. If he doesn't build your marriage, it won't be done. If he doesn't build your college education, you won't graduate. And then secondly, if he doesn't establish it, it won't be done. Only do things that God is establishing in your life. Because if you don't and you don't make it, the devil will have you worried about failing in something God never asked you to do in the first place. I know I'm talking to about 25 people here this morning. And if he doesn't give direction, it won't go through. We need the fresh word of God. Now, I just want to give a word of wisdom here. 
The lockdown was an opportunity for you to become more intimate with the Holy Spirit. What a lot of us do during lockdown? Complain. Can't go here. Can't see this one. Oh man, why didn't you press into God? God gave you a little a brief time for you to hear from God. Write things down and give you direction for your life. So when the lockdown's over, you're ready to go out of the gate like a racehorse. Get back to the place of your first love. Get back to the place of hearing from God. Look at me, I'm saying this as a spiritual father, okay? As a father, I want to tell you, y'all too busy. Let me say it in New York language, you're just too busy. You're involved in everything there is except the things of God. And then you wonder why your kids are messed up. And then you wonder why you got fired. Then you wonder why things are not going the way they are. They're going the way they are because God's been trying to get your attention. I've been waiting for you every morning, but you're too busy. Oh, I can't get off this horse. Can I ride this a little longer? Listen to me. Some of us have no discipline. The alarm clock is meant for you to set it. Let me say it for this side. The alarm clock is meant for you to set it. Set it earlier. Say, I have no time. Make time. Don't tell God you don't have time. And for us older seniors, you got more time than a lot of other people. One of the purposes of older age is to intercede for the younger generations. Amen? Fourthly, the problem. Everybody say problem. The problem is verse 5. But as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. See, he lost the axe head. Just fell in the water. It's impossible for you to recover in the natural. He lost the axe head. In other words, he lost the cutting edge, our language. He lost the cutting edge to life. Secondly, I'm bringing this up today. He forgot how to sharpen, he forgot to sharpen the blade. Stephen Covey in 1989 wrote a fantastic book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of those habits, I believe it was habit number five, was get the sharp cutting edge in your life. Make sure you don't lose the sharp cutting edge. I'm married in October 16th, it'll be 70 years. I still sharpen my marriage. I don't take Nelly for granted. I still work on making her happy. I work on making her love me. I still come up with cards that have poems because I'm sharpening my marriage. How do you know when your marriage is not sharp? When it gets dull and she tells you when he doesn't want to come home. Amen? In your job, you need to keep sharp. You need to be the best employer, employee, and for those of you who are bosses, employer that you are. They need to see Jesus in your life. You shouldn't have to witness as a worker. They ought to say, you know something? How, how come you're so good? And you just tell them, because of God. You should be the last one they want to lay off. But if you're a dull edge employee, you're going to be the first one they're going to lay off. Brother, I enjoyed you until now. Tough. <laughs> Let's go on. The cutting edge represents four things in a Christian's life. Put your seatbelts on. There are four things. Number one, your assignment. I mentioned this before, but your assignment is the job or the task God is requiring of you right now. If you're in college, your assignment is to get great grades and keep yourself pure. If you're a grandma and a grandpa like I am, your assignment is to pray for your grandkids and to make sure that they have access to you, but don't, don't show up too much. Because if you show up, oh, I'm preaching now, am I? If you show up too much, they won't appreciate you. Your assignment is whatever God wants you. And here's the key. As you're uh, faithful to your present assignment, God will promote you to a more important assignment. 
Secondly, your anointing. Everybody say anointing. Say, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't need anointing. You need anointing to get out of bed and go to Walmart. The anointing is a special touch for a specific task. Say that with me. It's a special touch for a specific task. It is the enabling power of God. We need that just to breathe. Amen? And then your affection for God. What you mean by that? Your love for God. You need to keep the sharp cutting edge of loving God every day. You never want to hear Revelation 2 and verse 15. You have left your first love. By the way, you don't lose your first love. You leave it. You know why? You got dull. You began to take him for granted. You allowed your problems to make you stop fasting and prayer. Well, I'm sorry, I said a cuss word. Fasting. Looking out in the audience, some of us eat too much. You do. You fast. If you can't fast 20, uh, 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 three days and fast one day, if you can't do that, fast 12 hours. But fast. And don't feast afterwards. We've lost our cutting edge. That's why we don't love God more than anything. I have met, uh, let me talk to my millennials a moment. Uh, you know who you are. I have met millennials that love a guy more than what they love uh, Jesus. They tell the guy, Tommy, I'd do anything for you. Really? I wouldn't do anything for you. I wouldn't go to hell for you. I won't backslide for you. Careful who you say, I'll do anything for you. Well, to tell God I'll do anything for you. We are enamored with people and uh, stars and sports stars and everything. Listen, never love any person more than God. Never. And then your authority. Everybody say authority. That cutting edge will give you authority over demons. Look at me. Demons want to attack you, take you backslidden, bring you to hell. They want your family. They want your finances. They want your health. Tell them no in the name of Jesus. But when you say, demon, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You don't want the demon to say, and who does she think she is? She didn't even listen to her pastor. He doesn't even love his wife, and he's trying to tell me to get out. Thank you for that. Yeah, any other amens, all right? And then note that the number four represents two things. It represents more. But I, I felt to highlight two things, one of which is not in your notes. The first one, four can mean division. And many have divided hearts and are battling in their Christian lives. Make sure you're not one of them. Don't have a divided heart. Listen, Jesus is coming soon. This church, this preacher will remind you the rapture is around the corner. Get ready. By the way, for those of you who think, well, aren't we in the tribulation right now? No, what you're seeing right now is the wrath of man. The tribulation is the wrath of God. You ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're seeing man getting upset. But when God gets upset, watch out. Mountains go into the sea. Are you ready? Secondly, seasons. Everybody say creation. Say it again, creation. Creation talks about the four seasons. It talks about earth, wind, fire, and water. Those are the classical Greek terms of the earth. But then there are seasons. There is spring, summer, fall, winter. I want to challenge you. Know what season you are in life. My age right now, I'm supposed to be in the fall season, but I keep telling God, I want, I want summer. I want to be young at 100. I want to be young-minded. Are you with me? I try and stay young. I take 27 supplements every day. Sometimes I gag on them. But I look in the mirror and say, you're doing all right. Write this down, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. There is a time and purpose for every season. Time for war, time for peace. I won't go through all of it. Let me just tell you this, and I want to prophesy this. 
You need to discern the season we're in spiritually. If you are in a fall season spiritually, you're not hot like the summer where you would do anything for God. You might even be a winter where you don't even want to go to church. Many people should be here, but they'd rather log in. And listen, for those of you who are logged in, God bless you. I, I log into uh, different. I, I'll log in today to hear my son preach. He's preaching in Georgia today. Great church he pastors. Both my kids are pastors. I, I'm, I'm a blessed man. But God, what season am I in spiritually? How, am I losing my, my first love? And then mentally... Well, I graduated high school, you know, 30, 12, 10, 15 years ago. When was the last book you read? What are you, in the winter? You don't, you don't read anymore? Sharpen your mind. Then emotionally, this is very important. You need to understand, we need to be in the spring and summer of our emotions. Don't let the lockdown cause you to get depressed I'm, I'm preaching, I'm prophesying to me. You know, get out of that depression. Get out of negativity. Life is not over. There's life after lockdown. There's life after COVID. Are you with me? And then physically. Now I'm preaching to myself here. I got to get back to working out. I, I might not go to a gym, but I got I to get back. Fourthly, the axe head fell off because it grew dull. The user was unaware. Remember Samson? Judges 16.20. And Samson did not know that the anointing had left him. Sometimes we're the last ones to know we're not sharp anymore. Many times it's our spouse or our children say, Mama, what's wrong with you? You've been agitated the last five years. You know. The accent fell off, it grew dull, the user was unaware, and he has to use greater effort and broke off the accent. I want to say this because before we leave the service, God wants to sharpen your accent. He wants you to leave here today sharp again, with your cutting edge again, with the power and anointing to attack demons and get things done for the kingdom of God. Fifthly, it was borrowed. We become poor stewards. God owns everything. Ever since I was saved, I was involved in as many ministries as I could be involved. I began preaching in Rikers Island. When many of my friends were looking for a church pulpit, I was out in the street with a bullhorn and an American flag. What am I saying? You need to understand we're not good stewards of what God's given us. If you are, you increase in that. Understand that first of all, your assignment is His. If your assignment is to clean this church, then clean it with gusto and no complaining. Stop saying these kids, all they do is throw rappers. Thank God you got kids in the church. Would be the God you have to pick up a pile of junk from the kids. That means they were here. The assignment you have to teach Sunday school is his, not yours. Your assignment as a husband is his, not yours. Your assignment as a wife is his, not yours. Amen? Secondly, the anointing is his. It is not your anointing. It's God's anointing. And on judgment day, when he judges you, if you are saved in the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to ask you, what did you do with the anointing I gave you? Do you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of your salvation. I gave you anointing and you used it. And then the affection... The love that you have for God. Do you know? That's His. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you a love for Jesus and the Father. But if you don't use it, you lose it. Say that with me. If I don't use it, I lose it. And then the authority is His. 
I've always had a deliverance ministry because if you read uh, my story in the book Friends, Friends with Jesus, uh, I was delivered from demon oppression. And, and I've always had a tremendous authority over the demonic. But many people who are in deliverance ministry get cocky and proud because they think it's them. Look at me. It is not you. It is Jesus in you. Number five, the place. Everybody say place. The place is verse six. So the men of God say, where did it fall? And he showed him the place, so he cut off a stick, threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Which is a miracle, by the way. So let's ask ourselves, where did my cutting edge in my life fall? God gave me this message because he told me many have dull accents. Some of them have even lost it. They've lost the cutting edge. You haven't won a soul in years. You talk to your family and it's almost one ear and out the other. There's no authority in what you say. And you talk to my millennials and singles. You talk to your friends and they hardly listen to you because there's no anointing in your life. Secondly, where did I lose my cutting edge? I can suggest you lost it when you no longer had your devotions. You lost it when you went one day without it, and two days, and three days, and you know. Everybody say Luke chapter 2. Do you remember when Mary and Joseph lost Jesus? Give me a wave if you remember. You remember? Mary thought little Jesus was with Joseph's family. Joseph thought little Jesus was with Mary's family. And they had to go back a whole day looking for him. Where was he? He was teaching the elders in the temple. I want to prophesy something to you. If you lost your cutting edge, go back to the place where you lost Jesus. Maybe you lost Jesus when you started hanging out with that friend. Maybe you lost Jesus when you got a job God told you not to take. You don't choose a job because of the benefits and because of the people and the pay. You choose a job because thus says the Lord. Thirdly, there are five areas that can cause us to lose our cutting edge and we're going to pray about it at the end of this message in just a little bit. Number one, the unsubmissive. What do you mean by the unsubmissive? You're rebellious. This country is filled with rebellious people. If you don't believe me, just look at Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and I'm not a racist, but those people are communists. And you have Christian people lifting up Black Lives Matters because of their skin color. Look at me, I'm a brown guy talking to you, so don't, don't come out of the racist bag. Are you listening to me? The three ladies of Black Lives Matters are Marxists. They are avowed communists and they are lesbians. That tells me that's not the platform I want my family to listen to. Now all of my African Americans and Latinos like me, don't let me lose you now because it's a, oh he getting racist. No, I'm getting real. I'm getting real. I'm not going to let a, a woman who's a lesbian, and I love lesbians, I win lesbians to the Lord. Okay? There's a difference. There are a lot of people in the church who are avowed racists, and they need to repent. But the one talking to you right now is not one of them. Not only the unsubmissive, but the unforgiving. Everybody say unforgiving. Romans 13.2, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Next frame. Whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist the ordinance of God will bring judgment on themselves. Next frame. The unforgiving. This is bitter. Please hear me. Please hear me. I was molested as a little boy. And I spent a long time bitter. 
I, I wanted vengeance on the guy that molested me. One of the ways that God saved me is when the day he saved me in a hotel room in Tampa, Florida. He told me, forgive the guy that did it. And I did by faith. Everything we do is by faith. See, we want to feel forgiveness and then give it afterwards. No. You forgive in obedience to the Bible and God gives you the feeling afterwards. Give me a wave, somebody. Are you with me? If you are bitter or you have unforgiveness against somebody today, in my opinion, you will not go to heaven. Because grace is all about forgiveness. How can you ask God to forgive you if you are holding bitterness against another human being? Can't do that. There's a bunch of scriptures there. Hebrews 12, 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest a root of bitterness spring up in you, cause trouble. And by this, what does it say? Many become defiled. Mark 11, 25 and 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. And your Father in heaven will forgive you of your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. You know this. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that, you, that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift, leave your offering, and go be reconciled with your brother, and then you bring your gift. Matthew 18, 35. Do you, do you remember that, that whole? Luke 17, 1. It, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Look at me. You have been offended. You have been. Some of you have been offended with my message this morning. I can see it in your face. I don't like, I don't receive what you're saying. Then prove it to me scripturally. Matthew 18, 35. This is the parable of the unforgiving servant. Just move on. Next frame. So my heaven, no, back, back. My heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother. Do what to you? Turn you over to the tormentors, to demon oppression. So when you don't forgive, you open your life up to demon oppression. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 to 30. This is taking communion. If you take communion in an unworthy manner, you, eat, you drink judgment to yourself. What's an unworthy manner? You're celebrating the sacrifice of Christ's sacrifice for us and our forgiveness, but you won't forgive your mother. You won't forgive this one. Next scripture. The unsubmissive, the unforgiving, the unafraid. Everybody say unafraid. I'm talking about proud people. Pride. Pride comes before a fall. James 4, 6. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. James 4, 7. To the degree that you submit to God, the devil will submit to you. Look at me, everybody. Has the devil been submitting to you? If you come against a demon, do the demons leave? To the degree that you submit to God, the enemy will submit to you. Number four, the unclean. The unclean. No holiness. The Bible says, without holiness, no one will see God. Is, is that my words or is that the Bible? And yet we're seeing in the age in the church where Christians want to know how, far, how much they can do without losing their salvation. How much can I drink before I mess up with God? Can I, hey, pot is legal. Can I get high on pot? No. It might be legal with men, but anything that makes you act in the flesh is sin. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue holiness without which nobody will see God. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, 
idolatry, sorcery, hasty. By the way, everybody say sorcery? That's witchcraft. Most Christians, I don't do witchcraft. Witch, please put this in your notes. That's the spirit of control. It's trying to control, trying to manipulate other people. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies. Envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like. Of which I told you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice, everybody say practice. That word is proso in the Greek. It means get in the regular habit of. I didn't say mess up every now and then. But when you're in the regular habit of doing such things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If it was not possible for you to lose your salvation, why did Paul put that in there? Why did the Holy Spirit put that in there? Number five, the unaffectionate. This is the sin of not loving God. Matthew 23, 37 says, Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. If the Bucks had lost the Super Bowl, there would be depression in Tampa Bay. I watched it. I was happy for Brady and the Bucks, but you know, if they lost, they lost. It's just a game. I can't get excited over somebody that makes fifty-two million dollars a year for throwing around a pigskin ball. <laughs> Secondly, Revelation two, verse four and five and three fifteen. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Have you left your first love? Only you can answer that. Are you backslidden in church? Only you can answer that. It says, repent from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, so or I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Next scripture. Revelation 3.15. I know your works, that you're neither cold or hot. I wish that you either cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm, everybody say lukewarm, and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I don't mean to be cute, but last time I saw vomit, it went down. Be the hot for, you know what's one thing good about being cold? I'm from New York, man. Anybody here from New York? You ever walk in downtown Manhattan? And the wind whips around those skyscrapers, you feel like the North Pole is across the street. One thing about being cold, you know you need something hot. You got to get out of there. But the lukewarm, they think they're doing all right. I got enough of Jesus to go to heaven. I don't need any more. I don't need to get. The evangelist makes an altar call. It's time for me to leave. I got to beat everybody to Applebee's. Let me finish. The participation. Revelation, uh, excuse me, 2 Kings 6, 6b. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And he cut off a stick, threw it in there, and he made the iron float. What is God saying? Go back to the cross. The wooden stick represents Calvary. Another axe can't sharpen you for long, chase after him, not the anointing. Secondly, God will resurrect you. And he wants to resurrect us today. If my keyboardist can come and join me, please. What is God saying to you? He wants to resurrect, number one, your fear of God. What the rest? He wants to resurrect your obedience. He wants to resurrect mercy in our lives. I'm talking to myself here. He wants to resurrect humility. He wants to resurrect holiness. He wants to resurrect intimacy. Go back to the place of making an altar and having devotions early before you do anything else. He, the Holy Spirit wants to be intimate with you. And please understand verse 7. Nobody can do this for you. 
He said, therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. And he reached out in his hand and he took it. You can't let grandma do it for you. Pastor Steve can't do this for you. Verse 7 says, no one can do this for you. You have to do it yourself. Before we bow for prayer, I'm going to challenge every single one of you to stand to your feet and come stand around this altar. God wants to sharpen the accent today. God wants to anoint, sharpen you. I'm going to ask everybody to come forward. Father, in Jesus' name, deal with my life first. Deal with every life. Some of us have lost the accent. We've lost the anointing. We've lost the presence of God. We don't even have devotions regularly. I'm going to say this again. I'm going to challenge everybody to come. If you are upset with me, come up here. I want to speak to those who are upset with you. You didn't like something I said. You really need to come up here. Holy Spirit, touch us right now. Come on, friends. Make an altar right where you are. You don't need to kneel. Father, I repent of the things the Holy Spirit showed me this morning. I repent of those things. I repent of my anger. I repent of my rebellion. I repent right now of my lack of love. For love covers a multitude of sins. I repent of worldly attitudes. I, I repent of allowing worldly attitudes and priorities into my life that have robbed my relationship with God. And I ask you for forgiveness. Now, while every head is bowed, no one looking around but me. Pastor Eddie, you, you come join me. Eternal soul, go. Are you a million percent sure you're going to heaven? Are you washed in the blood of Jesus? Are you one million percent sure that when you die, and, and you will die, or the rapture comes, you may miss. I know that I know that I know that by the grace of God, my sins have been paid for. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. And I know that when I die, immediately I'll go to heaven. If that's not you, keep your hands down. If it is you, lift it up and say, Jesus, I know I'm saved. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You didn't understand me. But I'm going to make a sinner's prayer right now. And if you want to join me in this prayer, it's only Pastor Eddie and myself looking, nobody else. Every other head bowed. If you would say, Lord Jesus, I want to repent of my sins. Or I'm backslidden. I got convicted this morning. And I want to return to the Lord Jesus. I want to be sure that he is King of kings and Lord of lords in my life. I want to repent right now. If that's you, forgive me, Lord. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Take away from my heart rebellion and flesh. Put a new heart in me. I confess and believe. Jesus, you are Lord and Savior. You died for me. You overcame death. And resurrected. I make you King and Lord of my life. While every head is bowed. If you made that prayer, Lift up your hand and put it down again. God bless you. 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 I saw about five, six hands. All right, everybody look up at me. If you raised your hand, that last call, sometime today, go to Pastor Eddie and say, when Pastor Garcia asks for forgiveness of sin, I raise my hand. And he'll, he'll know what to do. We're at done. Okay. Day. Those of you who raise your hands, uh, the prayer team is up there. Tell them, come up, come and pray for me. 
People are going to be dismissed in a few moments. That was, my, that was my bad. Go to them and say, would you pray for me? I gave my life to Jesus. I got saved today. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Pastor. Hey guys, I'm just going to say a quick prayer of dismissal. Um, and we'll see you guys Wednesday here at 7, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We, we just pray that this message uh, that you placed on Pastor Garcia's heart doesn't fall on deaf ears, Lord, that we just may open our hearts to it, Lord. And if we need to get back to the place that we were as close as we can with you, Lord, that we'll just take us there, Lord. We pray a hedge of protect. In Jesus' mighty name, we all say amen.